Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Let's read verses 1 to 5, or 1 to 4, and then we're going to skip down to verse 38. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. I will sing of the mercies. Now verse 38. But thou hast cast off and abhorred. Thou hast been wroth with thine anointed. Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin. All that pass by the way spoil him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and hast not made him to stand in the battle. Thou hast made his glory to cease and cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth hast thou shortened. Thou hast covered him with shame. Selah. How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah. Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people, wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thy anointed. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Double amen and amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come humbly this morning before the throne of grace, for we are people of great need. Lord, this psalm begins with a high praise to the faithfulness and mercy of God, and yet closes with bewailment and lamentations. Father, I pray that this morning you would help us to learn the melody of this psalm. Lord, I cannot teach it to thy people. This is a lesson. This is a song. This is a melody that only you, by thy truth and thy Holy Spirit, can teach your children to sing. May we remember and recall our song in the night. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified this morning in drawing us closer to thee. Help us, dear God, we pray, to understand and grasp what the psalmist is saying. And Lord, I pray that these words would grasp our heart and our minds and our souls and change our entire being in regards to your mercies and your faithfulness. That Lord, even though it might appear as though they fail, they are forevermore and ever unchanging. May we find rest in that this morning. And may we glorify your name in all things. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 
and amen. It was very fitting this morning that our dear brother sang all our psalms, or most of them, out of Psalm 119, where it speaks more than any other psalm about the Word of God and the blessings that flow from God's Word. But we have here in this 89th psalm a most amazing truth. For in the first 37 verses, the psalmist gives the highest praise to the mercies and faithfulness of God towards his own. Yet begins in verse 38 to the end of the chapter to bewail and lament the sad and deplorable condition of God's people and how their present condition gives all appearance of God's forsaking them. It's an amazing contrast. Verse 49, Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? You'd almost think that two different people are speaking or singing in this psalm. That there's two different occasions here, and yet it's one occasion, which begins 37 verses of high praises to God. And then turns to great bewailment and lamentation because of God's people and the deplorable condition they're in and what God has brought upon them as though God has forsaken them. It seems almost like a paradox. Few psalms begin with such high praises, only to end in such bewailment and lamentation. And yet, beloved, there is a most blessed truth in this great psalm concerning the mercies and faithfulness of God, which though we see through a glass darkly, offers, I believe, the greatest comfort, hope, and assurance in our darkest hours as Christians. There is a reason why the psalmist begins with a song in his heart. There's a reason why the psalmist lays down 37 verses of God's praises, of his faithfulness and his mercies. There's a reason why the psalmist starts with 37 verses of high praises so that we as God's people, in spite of our darkest hours, would learn how to sing praises unto God in spite of all our situations and circumstances. This is an amazing psalm. For though this psalm may and in great uh, may begin or end in great bewailment and lamentations, it is upon the mercies and faithfulness of our God which their cries come. The psalmist would so to say begin with all these things so that we might understand what he means in the latter verses of this bewailment and lamentations. For beloved, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the child of God should learn to sing praises to God in every circumstances of life. Even when it appears as though God has failed us to be able to sing of the mercies and faithfulness of God. I believe this is a song many Christians have not learned. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. The psalmist knew that he was going to end with bewailment, and yet he says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. He begins with high praises. I'm getting ahead of myself, but beloved, regardless of how deep our lamentations are and our bewailments, let us begin with singing praises unto God. 
Beloved, this is the song that only God can teach His children. Man is unable to learn the melody of this wonderful hymn and praise to God of his own. He's got to learn by the hand of God that he can lift up praises to God in the deepest of his lamentations that God is worthy of praise. And when we do that, and when we're assured of that, beloved, we have the petitions to become before God. It's almost as though the psalmist in the latter verses speaks out or echoes the verses in Hebrews that said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. It's because of God's mercies and faithfulness that the psalmist is so bold with God. Where is thy former loving kindnesses? Oh Lord, how long? Even in his lamentations and bewailing, dearly beloved, we see his confidence in God's faithfulness because he's encouraged and emboldened to approach God with such petitions. It's an amazing psalm. An amazing psalm. Born and carried on a song of God's great mercies and unchanging faithfulness, such sore bewailments and lamentations were sanctified and blessed This is what the hymnist meant in the song, How Firm a Foundation. For I will be with thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. Beloved, I fear we live in a shallow generation of Christians who know little or nothing about what the psalmist is speaking of. Let us then begin every bewailment, lamentation, with a song of praise in our hearts for the mercies of God and a humble acknowledgement of His unchanging faithfulness in our mouths. 37 verses, He builds up this high praise. And then in verse 38, He lays His petition before God. You see, He's not being arrogant. He's singing. He's laying these petitions out founded on these first 37 verses of the faithfulness of God. I'm getting ahead of myself, but do you know there in this, in this psalm alone how many words the faithfulness is? Six times in this psalm alone he speaks of God's faithfulness. This is the boldness of what Hebrews speaks. Let us come before the throne of grace in time of need with boldness. Why? Boldness not on ourselves, but who God is. And in all these verses, I've written them down, there's 12, 13, possibly more, but at least 12, where he says, Thou hast cast off, thou hast been wroth, thou hast made, thou hast broken, thou hast brought, thou hast set up. You did this, you did this, you did this. And yet he still sings of God's mercies and faithfulness in verse 1. We will never understand God's dark dip dealings with our lives until we understand the mercies and faithfulness of God until we believe and understand it, till we rest in it, that regardless of how dark and hard the dealings of God might be in our lives, it's out of His mercies and faithfulness. And like I said, dearly beloved, I fear few believers today know this song, this melody in their hearts. May God give us grace to sing what the psalmist 
there is wonderful, wonderful divine instruction laid out in this Psalm 89. There is more verses about God's faithfulness and mercies than it is about their bewailments and lamentations. And even ends it with blessed be the Lord forever with a double amen, amen, and amen. You see, this is what meant, this was what's meant by Job when it said in into chapter one when he said he fell down and worshiped God and didn't falsely accuse God giveth, God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the song. This is the song of what he's doing. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself. But beloved, when we find ourselves in deep sorrow and contrition, when we are troubled, when our souls are bared down heavy under a wave of affliction or sorrow or dismay, let us begin with the psalmist. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, and with my mouth I will make known the faithfulness of my God to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Forget not these words were spoken with the psalmist, understanding what he's going to, or how he's going to end this psalm. He knows he's leading up to his petitions, but he's leading up the way every Christian should by giving God praise, honor, and glory for all mercies. I will sing. With my mouth will I make known. Beloved, both are glorious yet humble proclamations. I'm going to sing. With my mouth, I'm going to make known. One is before the assembly of the saints. Now, of course, we can sing to ourselves, but Psalms, when it talks about singing, it's talking about amongst the saints. I will sing amongst the saints. One is before the assembly of the saints, the latter before the Lord. I will make known thy faithfulness. One is of the heart, I will sing. The other of the mouth. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I will sing. With my mouth I'll make known. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist, though he's fixing to lay all these petitions before the Lord and their great, great woes and wailings, before he does that, he brings glory to God. He brings honor to God. He begins with God. And I've taught this and I've preached this for years and I continue to preach it to myself as well. In every situation of life, regardless how difficult and trying it is, let us begin with God and not with our problems. Let us begin with God. Because when we begin with God, our problems appear so small and insignificant in the light of his glorious face. So the psalmist begins by singing. Though he ends up later on bewailing, he begins with singing. Let not our bewailing lead our singing, but let our singing lead our bewailing. He says, with my mouth will I make known. Not another. Listen to this. But with my mouth, 
I will, will I make known the faith, thy faithfulness to all generations. Not another, but with my mouth. Not the testimony or witness of another, but with my own mouth. The psalmist is speaking from personal experience. We sing that song, Life's Glories Grow Dim. As we get older, oh, I could bear witness to that. I was meditating and thinking about it for a couple of hours this morning. I rejoice in the fact that the Lord has blessed me with uh, with the ability to be able to study and then before preaching, give me an hour or two time to meditate. I love to just meditate on passages of Scripture. I love to meditate on those Scriptures and what God has laid in my heart to preach and just spend time meditating. When we sang that psalm, it says, uh, earth's glories grow dim as you grow older. I just thought how wonderful true that is. As you get older, the glories of the earth grow dim in everything that you think about and what you're beholding and, and the things of eternity become more real. And The psalmist is speaking from experience. I will make known thy faithfulness with my own mouth. That what I know myself, the psalmist says. Now bear with me even learned and experienced about the faithfulness of God and not another. That which I have learned myself. That which I know of personal experience. I, with my mouth, will I make known. Why is that so important? Beloved, it's so important because I believe a lot of Christians walk in the shadow and the testimony and the witness of others rather than in the light of Christ. We live in a very knowledgeable age. With the internet coming up over the years, we have knowledge of all kind of books at our fingertips. And we love quoting great men of God. And we spread it all over the internet and we love reading them. And it's almost come to the point where God's Word has taken second place. And people are more encouraged and relished in what men say rather than what God says. Don't look what so-and-so said, and look what this Puritan said, and look what he said. And, and it's almost as though they relish in that more than they do in the Word of God. They're walking in the light of other men. The psalmist says, no, I will make known with my mouth. And I want to encourage you this morning to seek God on your own. So many people I know, and I've come to know, and I've been guilty of it myself, Dearly beloved, I know from personal experience, so many people's knowledge of Scripture is they look through it through the magnifying glass of other men rather than through the Holy Spirit of God. It's what other men say it says, not what God's Word said it. And they lack that personal experience, that personal intimate relationship with God and His Word. The psalmist says, no. I love how he says, with my mouth. I will sing with my mouth. It's amazing what the Lord asked Pilate when Pilate was questioning. The Lord said this, and it's a very heart-searching question. He said, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Are you telling me something that you personally know, or are you telling it simply because somebody else told you that? It's a good question. The knowledge that we have of God, is it based on what others have testified and witnessed to, or is it based on what we know? 
When in our deep despair and distress can we turn to the pages of God's holy writ and find the promise, or do we look to men and books that's been written on the problems and troubles of the Christian life? Or do we turn to the Word of God? You've got to learn to turn to the Word of God. Listen, I have nothing. I have a whole library full of Puritans and Reformers. I love to read, but I'm telling you from personal experience, as the psalmist here says, with my mouth, I'm telling you after 40 years of experience, those books are good and in some way helpful, but nothing, 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 nothing compares with God's Word speaking to your heart by itself, not through an interpreter. With my mouth, I will sing. Paul said, sing with understanding. Pray with understanding, he said. Job said, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another. Isn't that what we want? This is what I want to see for myself and my eyes behold and not another. I want to see for myself. When Mary came back and said, hey, he's risen. John and Peter says, well, that's all right with you. You may believe that, but I, I want to see it for myself. And they both ran. And I like John's reaction better than Peter's in a way. Peter went down to the tomb. It said John stood outside, looked, saw the, thing, saw the cloth folded, and it said John believed that quick. It wasn't that they thought Mary was a liar, but they wanted to see it for themselves. And when John seen it, John believed. He says, it's for yourselves, it's for ourselves. The psalmist says, my mouth, my mouth, I will sing. The testimonies and witnesses of others are not without value or blessings. For the psalmist himself would make known God's faithfulness to all generations. Yet it's when we ourselves have seen and heard, and not by another, that the truths of God strike more deeply into our hearts and our minds. It's when we see these things ourselves. So what am I saying? I'm saying, dearly beloved, get into the Word of God and read and pray and meditate. And when you have trouble understanding Scripture, don't reach to somebody else first. Reach to Scripture. Learn the divine lesson of letting Scripture interpret Scripture and not man interpret it for you. Oh, that's what it says. Thanks to Thomas Brooks. Thanks to Thomas Manton. Thanks to John Deal. No, learn what it is to read of your own. Oh, I'm not saying that these men of old cannot be a help and assistance to us. Believe me, I'm speaking from personal experience. But I'm telling you, there has to come a time, there has to come a time when you wing yourselves from the opinions and convictions and testimonies and witnesses of men and rely solely on the Word of God. That is where you're going to find your true happiness and hope and source of joy and contentment. I will sing. I, not them, not because of them, but I will sing of the mercies of the Lord, and with my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness. How did he know that? By experience. It's kind of hard for somebody who's been, who is young in the Lord to understand a lot about the faithfulness of God. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you can't. But I'm telling you, when you walk years with the Lord, you can look back and say, I'm telling you, it's the, by the faithfulness of God. I am where I am. It's by the grace of God. He has been faithful. It's never changed. This whole psalmist speaks of experience. I've seen his faithfulness. I've experienced it. 
And I'm going to tell the generations about it. They need to be told. They need to be told. Our children need to be told of the faithfulness of God and of the mercies of God. Have you ever considered in Acts when Paul speaks about the time the Lord knocked him off his high horse? Or donkey, whatever it was. And he's seen a light. Remember the story? I won't go through the whole thing, but this is what he said in regards to that and the people around him. This is what he said. He said, and they that were with me saw indeed the light. They saw the light and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. You ever consider that? He said, oh, they saw a light, but they didn't know what it was. They were afraid, but they didn't hear the voice of him that spake to me. Isn't that what we want as God's children, is to open up the blessed pages of God's Word and to hear our Savior speak to us? The psalmist said, Lord, be not silent unto me, lest I go down into the pit like others. Beloved, there's a danger today more than ever before of Christians walking and relishing in the testimonies and witnesses of other men's knowledge and wisdom of God, while they themselves remain mostly unacquainted and unfamiliar with such truths themselves. And true, there are some mighty good heart-searching and meditative quotes out there. But nothing can be in comparison to God's Word when it's written in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of God. When we ourselves can open up the pages of God's Word and read and be blessed. That's why I was so thrilled. You talk about bearing witness. I was so thrilled when the brother went to Psalm 119, this whole... You talk about bearing witness. and I thought, this is lovely. This is great. I love when the Lord leads us to a message and then He just kind of bears witness to it. The Word of God, how precious, how wonderful, how glorious it is. Don't let other men speak it for you. Don't live in the shadow and light of other men. Though they could be a help, I'm not saying they're not. But don't let them be a crutch. Remember the legion possessed with devils? Oh, he wanted to go with the Lord, wouldn't you? I mean, imagine what he was saved from. I mean, sometimes we don't. I mean, imagine he knew what he was saved from, the life he lived. He said, Oh, Lord, I want to go with you. I want to be with you, Lord. You know what the Lord told him? He said, No, you can't come. Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. You know why? Listen to me. I'm not undermining the power of Christ. Christ did say that you'll do greater things than I. That's an amazing statement. But his witness of what God had done to him would have more effect on the people than Christ preaching a sermon to them. And I'm not underestimating the power of the Son of God. I'm telling you, there's something about telling others personally what God has done for me, the Holy Spirit blesses. He says, no, and show how great things God has done unto thee. Oh, let me tell you about him. Song of Solomon, isn't that what it's about? What is your beloved more than others? Oh, oh, let me let me tell you about my beloved. Let me let me tell you what he is and what he's like. Let me explain to you what he is and who he is to me. I love him dearly. 
He's better than the <laughs> thousands of lilies. Oh, the Holy Spirit bears witness to that and blesses that in our testimony to others more than anything else. Psalm 66 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Let me tell you what God's done for my soul. I will sing, the psalmist says, with my mouth. What he hath done for my soul. Psalm 126, verses 2 and 3. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Sounds like the psalmist. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. Now watch. The Lord hath done great things for us. Wherefore we are glad. Oh, beloved, I pray that God would help us to understand the psalmist. For he sings a song which only God could teach. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all, all generations. Think about those words in the light of the latter verses of bewailment and lamentations. Think about it. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. In the light of the latter verses when he bewails the condition of God's people and God's apparent forsaking them, he still says, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. But God has forsaken us. No. Listen to the bewailments. Even in the bewailments, you see his trust in God's faithfulness. Where are thy former loving kindnesses? Listen to him. It's almost, and it is like the Lord on Calvary. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He speaks of being forsaken, yet he calls him my God. My God, my God, not God, my God. This is, this is tremendous blessing. This is a song, dearly beloved, that can only be sung at night. And I mean by night times of our despair and our, our lamentations and our woes. that We can sing praises unto God. Always begin with praises unto God. It's these first 37 verses of high praises of the psalmist singing these sweet songs of the mercies of the Lord and His faithfulness that make the bitter waters of woe sweet. The fires might not, will not consume thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. I'm telling you to glorify God in the fires. We will lift up praise unto God regardless of what it might look like. Throughout the Psalms, you always hear David saying, and they say, where is thy God? Where is thy God? Sometimes even the heathen say, where is your God? It's apparent to them that God has forsaken them. But, oh, we sing the song. Oh, I'll sing the mercies of the Lord forevermore. With my mouth, I'll make known his faithfulness. I don't see no mercies and faithfulness, but, oh, you don't know my God. He's faithful. 
They called it the covenant psalm here. And the faithfulness of God is too great and too large of a subject that I didn't even try to fit it into this morning with the Lord's Supper because that's something I, I want to look at of its own. Just the words of that, the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness of God. It has nothing to do with you or I. You say, well, I'm unworthy of God's faithfulness. Yes, we are unworthy. And we will continue to be unworthy. It's all the faithfulness of God. Why is it important for us to remember what the psalmist is singing in this first verse, in the first part of this chapter? For it's in times of great difficulties and trials, beloved, that we are most apt or more prone to forget or doubt the unchanging faithfulness of God. Yet therein is God greatly glorified. When we, like the psalmist, can be well on the merits of Jesus Christ, yet never doubt the faithfulness of God. Where are thy forming loving kindnesses? How long, Lord? This, dearly beloved, is the song of the nightingale. Will I make known unto all generations? Over in Psalm 77, a few verses of Scripture before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Psalm 77. The psalmist here echoes Psalm 89, beginning in verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Now, don't forget how he began. I cried unto the Lord, even unto God with my voice, and he heard me. That's how he starts. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Now, what did he come up with? Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Sounds like Psalm 89, doesn't it? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercy, Selah? And I said, this is my infirmity. Mm -hmm. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Why the years of the right hand? It's faithfulness. He's not looking at all the problems and sins he committed and failures and shortcomings. He's looking at God's faithfulness. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Looks like he's remembering a lot, isn't he? I will meditate also of all thy work. And watch this. And talk of thy doings. Remember, meditate, talk. I will sing with my mouth. I will make known. You, you see? Same thing. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Whoa, that's a good verse right there for church. People who go to church, thy way is in the sanctuary. You want to know God's way? Go to church. 
singing hymns and assembling of the saints, preaching of the word. Amen. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God is our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Now watch this. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters. Mysterious. And thy footsteps are not known what God's doing. Thou us thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Sounds like Psalm 89. Now look over in Lamentations, right after the book of Jeremiah. Again, we see a song. Lamentations 3. Now, let's just go ahead. You could read the whole thing, but verse 19, Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Talking about again his darkness, his woes. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion failed. You see how the, song, how, how the prophet turns to the Lord again? He didn't turn to his circumstances or his woes, or even the problems or the causes of it. He turns to God. It is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Watch this. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. What that? the yoke of chastisement, burdens, afflictions, bear it in your youth. He sitteth alone, keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion, according to the multitude of his what? Mercies. Again, you see the same divine instructions. The faithfulness and mercies of God. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness unto generations. You see, the psalmist in Psalm 89, before he lays his wailing petitions before God, spends the majority of the chapter singing high praises to God. What is the answer? What is the instructions in Psalm 89? Begin with singing high praises to God. In your deepest, darkest hour, begin by singing high praises to God. And then, when we lay out our bewailing petitions before God, oh, I'm telling you, that's a song that God gladly hears. We have so much, so much as God's people to learn. Amen. Live not in the light of other people. Learn to read and meditate the Word of God on your own. Let it speak to your heart. Let it be your guide. Let it comfort you. Oh, I pray God would bless us with knowing at least a little bit this morning of the song of Psalm 89. May we learn to sing such songs in the night, in the darkness of our trials, to sing of the mercies and faithfulness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we...
pray now, Father, that, Lord, you this morning have begun a good work in our hearts. Help us, dear God, we pray, that we might understand what the psalmist is saying. May the Spirit of God be our teacher and our guide. Lord, this is a song that no man could ever teach another to sing. It's a melody that only the Spirit of God can place in our hearts. And the words can only be those of the Word of God. No wisdom, testimony, quotes, or witnesses of another man will ever help us in our hour of need. But the Word of God, the Word of God, ah, it shall sustain us and keep us. May we, dear God, learn to pray and meditate more over it and seek your face in it, that we might say, I will sing, and with my mouth I will make known the mercies and faithfulness of God. Lord, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.